Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes! Caught Offside from the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? How are you? Doing great. People want to hear from you. Well, that's, that's lovely. Uh, I have a lot to say, of course, as I'm sure you do as well. This was a riveting weekend in the Premier League. Uh, we'll get into all of it. A uh, lot to talk about on the podcast, of course. A um, little bit from Spain, some good news with Serginho Dest, and a little bit of good news that I was not expecting to necessarily be good news from Germany involving Gio Reyna. Better news. Yeah. I guess good is subjective, but compared to what we were thinking when that guy left the field in tears over the weekend, I would say the news is pretty good. She believes Cup, a little bit of that as well, as the U.S. Uh, unbeaten so far. Kind of a, but not a, a, but a, a bit of an uneven start. But Yeah, beaten uh, but, but bruised, I would say. Okay. Um, but yeah, so all, all that will be gotten to in, in due time. In due time. But we start, J.J., in the Premier League. Whew, what a weekend. Um, I guess it speaks a little bit to the busyness of my weekend that I had to kind of wait almost 36 hours to watch Tottenham and Manchester City. Um, a game, not just a game, like that's a game you circle. <laughs> that's a huge game. Uh, but I was away over the weekend with family and um, DVR'd it. Right. Went into just like I do. You've got a great system. People are pretty impressed with your system. Here's the deal with my system. It's not a system. It's just commitment to avoidance. Like, I, I know what I can and can't do online. I know I can't go on Twitter. Right. And by the way, I'm not married to Twitter in the way where, like, there will be some people who will they'll, they'll go into withdrawal. Say my name, you coward. <laughs> but, like, I can, I can avoid Twitter for 36 hours and be fine and live my life and, and have no problem with it. You know, there's websites I know what I have to avoid. Unfortunately, it hurts me oftentimes. I have to avoid setting my lineup on my fantasy Premier League team. Like that's not that's actually to my detriment on Sunday morning games. That I, if I still haven't seen it, I can't go on there. I can't do that. I'm willing to take whatever losses there are. It's just commitment. I know who, discipline. I know like what text messages if I see from a certain person, like I won't look at it. And I'm sorry to those people if you think I'm avoiding you for for 36 hours. You're right. I am because I'm, I'm afraid of what I might see. And I'm, you are culprit one. What? Here's what I need to say to you. So I avoid- wait, 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 wait. Let's get some context here before you absolutely destroy me. Which is, I'm not going to destroy you. I'll be fair. I think it's coming down the tracks. I'll be fair and rational and reasonable. I was in Vermont with my lovely girlfriend at the weekend mm-hmm. and somehow managed to watch a ton of soccer. Um, but I saw that game with her, and she's a Tottenham supporter, right? And she was freaking out, and. It was one of those weekends with, with, with those games where I'm like, it's got to be a Monday pod. It just has to be. So I wanted to know your status so I could get back from Vermont today in time. And I didn't want to ruin it for you. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to sound like an ex-president, but the texts I sent were perfect texts. So you've got to see this from my perspective. Your texts on the surface, they were fine. Your first one was sent at 2 o'clock. hmm so I know what on that means s- on Saturday. On Saturday. So yeah. I know what 2 o'clock means for a 12.30 game. Okay. And you said, are you watching? Okay. And, then, and all you had to respond was... And I didn't respond. You, I mean, you didn't. Then a day later, you said, I need a status update from you. Yeah, had you seen the game? Now, from my perspective, 
and are you watching text at 2 o'clock for a 12.30 game? That's not getting sent for no reason. Yeah, it's Things like, are happening. So, yeah, it's so like, I now know that. You, I now know when I sit down to watch this game, J.J. sent me that message at that time. Yeah, so it's I'm go- not sitting down to a 2-0, you know, a, a random whatever generic game. This is going to be something. Well, no, it, it, from that it's going to be on the Man City side. If it's a something, it's a win, then it's, a, it's probably right. going to it be a shellacking. It, you're right in that it doesn't give away who wins or loses. No, it doesn't. But as I'm watching the game and I'm seeing how things are going, it can give me a sense of, okay, like I know when, when Tottenham score early, mm. I know, okay, we're not done here. Because at 2 o'clock, I'm getting another message. To, uh, and then the, I need a status update mm. from you. Well, it just that's kinda, a genuine It kind of further in my head fuels, okay, something like this was not just an ordinary game. It's a it's an additional kick in the A to me that you like. I need to hear from you because this was this was madness. So, like, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. We we do record a podcast on the biggest sports broadcaster in the world, and so it might be an idea to do some coordinating <laughs> to figure out a time when to record. So here's what I would say to you. Those messages, again, like you said, on the surface, they're fine. They were pretty harmless. Per- perf- my, perfect. My mind inter- perfect. By the way, my mind interpreted them correctly, though. I wasn't wrong. Things they were cra- it did was it, a crazy. Did it game. ruin your enjoyment? No, it didn't. Ah, but well, thank but, you. It, but it seeped into Good my night. That was the podcast. But here's what I would say to you. Okay, you don't need to send me anything. All right. Well, how, how long have you known me? Two, we're, going, we're going on almost a decade. Eight, year, eight years in April. And you know, you've known me a long time. Yeah. Have you ever once in the history of our relationship has a important Tottenham game gone by where things have happened where I haven't texted you? You'll know when I'm watching. Right. Okay. You're the guy I text. Okay. You're him. Okay. All right. Okay. Just wait for me. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> That's a drop in and of itself. <laughs> I can't wait, Jack. Um, I. Okay, I got excited. Sorry. And you had every right to. The game's at the weekend. Again, you're not wrong. I don't mean to reprimand you. I don't want it to come down like that. <laughs> But I'm just saying. I'm, I've been taken to the woodshed. But I'm just saying, for future reference, this is me telling you, don't worry, baby. I'll reach out to you. See, now you, you keep calling me baby and all that. Just Can we talk about the game? Yeah, uh, but, but I, I would just like to say it was my excitement at, a, at an amazing game, but also I thought a pretty amazing weekend. A very enjoyable weekend. I agree. So, by the way, I'll start off by saying there was no bigger winner this weekend or winners this weekend than Peter Drury and Jim Beglin, who had front row commentary seats at this thriller at the Etihad, and then the next day went down to Leeds for that 4-2 thriller between United and Leeds. They were on commentary of both. What a weekend for those two. Uh, um, as if they need more airtime, though. I mean, these <laughs> they, they are now the voices. You know, when I was growing up, it was John Matson. It the, the torch is now being passed, I think. Well, well, since I don't know, John I mean, Champ in, in this in, this, in America, it's Arlo. Um, he's the voice of the Premier League in this country. His voice is narrating, generally speaking, the biggest games each weekend, I think, and have for for some time now. I I think I think Drury, I think Drury. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that this is Ar- subjective. Ar- Arlo's got the the American real estate in a sense, but in in terms of the pantheon, it's Drury. It's got to be. Uh, I think Drury has established himself overall. from a, a familiar voice to yeah. a guy every American soccer fan knows his name I, and knows his voice now. Th- well, that is certainly true. Yeah. Isn't he now the voice of, on FIFA? 
I haven't bought FIFA in a while. People correct me if I'm wrong on on Twitter, but I, I thought that he's now doing it for the video game. Oh, it, really? Which really speaks to his where he is now, his Q rating. So is is he on? Is Beglin still with Pro Evolution Soccer? I don't know. I've never played the game. Won't even look at it. It's 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 the it's the ugly sister to you. It really is. What a game this was. I mean, honestly, neutral, even a City fan, I would think, could at least look at it and say, well, that sucked, but whew, that was something to watch. Um, that was an amazing game of football. In the future, when there's, I, I on NBC or even back home in England on Sky, when they do the Premier League Classics reruns, mm-hmm. that's going to be there. And that's going to be one where... You've got the day off. You're sat down, and you think, "All right, I got to get up. Stop! What I got? I've got things I got to do," and it'll flash up that they're doing the extended highlights of this game, and you'll go, "Okay, it is the Goodfellas, where everybody knows. It doesn't matter what point Goodfellas is at. If you turn on AMC or whatever channel, you're going to watch it to the end. That is the pull of it. This is a game like that. Yeah, uh, I would agree. It's one of those, you know, JJ. Throughout the season, I'm I'm always the Devonlings is always rattling around in my head. Match of the season is one of the the premier awards for that night, and this might now have moved into the leader in the clubhouse. I, th- I think it has so far for the season. We'll see if it can be beaten. It's possible, uh, but at, at this point, I think th- this would be it for me. Um, it's very unusual, JJ. Uh, one of the after the game happened, we were texting about it, or after I after the game happened for me, I should say, we were texting about it, and. <laughs> You know, I was just saying to you, we're less than a week removed from me kind of not losing it, but kind of having like a little vent session on on what was going on with this club, knowing that Man City was on the horizon, which felt like to me three more points that were going to be dropped. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was a it's a, t- a frustrating moment for this club because they're potentially in the driver's seat for a top four position, which for them at this stage in their development would that's a successful season for them, unquestionably, and they're blowing it. You know, Southampton and Wolves are good sides, but like the way those games played out, Tottenham with a lead late against Southampton, at home against Wolves in a bounce-back game, like those are games Spurs should be winning. Uh, so it's a frustrating moment for them. And what I said to you is, I don't know what to make of this club. I don't know if they're good, bad. I know this, the ride is thrilling. Yes. For better or worse, if you're a Tottenham fan, you get in line, you get on the roller coaster – and it's in the dark. You don't know. You don't know where the loops are. You don't know where the drops are. That's what it is to support this club. And there's others like it, um, but like for Tottenham, it just feels to me like the highs are so high for them, and the lows are so low. And you could say, "Oh, you're just a Spurs fan saying that." That's just your personal bias. I mean, you tell me, JJ, of all the clubs that get made fun of by the media or other fans. They're at the top. Yeah, they People are. love to to mock them the for whatever reason. The trophy cabinet, the yeah. spursiness, you know. But their manager, like this is all the backdrop of, of, of this brilliant manager who has been brilliant. You know, you can say he spends a lot. Sure he does. He spent at Inter. He spent at Chelsea. You know, saying things last week that would just have made your heart drop if you're a Spurs fan. The things he said. And, and you put it in context. You said, I'm not shocked by them, but is it good to hear it? Probably not. No, you want your manager and, to portray some calm. And then he comes out with a complete masterclass in counterattacking football and destroys probably the best manager of the last 20 years. 
ends their run of what what was it like 1920 game wins like on an unbelievable streak since I think November recreates a, a title race in the league which we'll talk more about we will get to that uh, just an unbelievable performance also players that he had slagged off and not slagged off that's not fair I take that back players whose age profile and experience he had questioned midweek to Sky Italia, then put in these brilliant performances, Kuliszewski in particular, Bentoncourt too. Mm. And not only does he do that, he revitalises Harry Kane to the point where Harry Kane produces a performance that will go up there with one of the best centre-forward performances in the history of the league, which of course started in 1992. Yeah, Just amazing. It's almost like... Last week, he came back from Italy, slightly hung over on the folly of his words, mm. and thought, oh, I better be a bloody good coach this weekend. And he was. <laughs> Every inch of it. That performance was, was absolutely superb. And by the way, City were caught out defensively. Like, it wasn't that they defended and counterattacked, but Conte had a plan to beat Manchester City, to get around them. And it was to utilise Kane and Son and runs and, and, and also utilise Kane as a number 10. Like, but also have Kane become the striker he was again. Like it was a, it was a dual role. That is, if I told you Spurs are going to win at the weekend, I told you this last week when we were recording, Spurs are going to win at the weekend and two of the goals they've had would be like played out from the goalkeeper. You would have been, no, that's not happening. It's not you could play through Manchester City, find a way around them like that, and it's a it's a credit to Manchester City because it's not like they played poorly. No, I wouldn't say that at all. No, they did did Spurs game plan work against them? Yes, but yes. I I didn't think City were were bad or, you know, I no, mean, they were they were they were them. They were typical City. They were relentless. They possessed the ball seventy one twenty nine, but it wasn't empty possession. They had legitimate chances. They scored goals. It was it was Man City. It was this year's version of City. And Tottenham were able to orchestrate moves to get around them. Well, that Tottenham, is... Tottenham did a couple things in this game, uh, which I mean, you ha- you have to certainly look at Conte and and the decision making that he made in, in the lead up to this, and you have to look at the players for executing his plan. They defended the hell out of this. I know they still allowed two goals. Um, they defended the hell out of this in a very specific way. Yes. How many guys were were in that box wearing white jerseys yeah. over the weekend? And how, how many times did they cut down the gaps? Did they cut? Did, did they block things? Did they did they, they get interceptions? They allowed Manchester City to play out wide, and allowed them to to just kind of play in cross after cross. And Tottenham, their plan was going to be we're going to jam the center of the box right. with white Tottenham jerseys, and we're going to repel each of those time and time again. Uh, and for the most part, it worked. I mean, that was their defensive plan. There, there was a back six for a lot of that game, all jammed into the 18-yard box. That was their plan defensively. And then in attack, it was to not. It, I wouldn't necessarily go far as, so far as to say long ball tactics. No, but it was to play in balls behind fullbacks, behind Cancelo, uh, and have you know Kulishevsky, who's not even really that fast, run onto them. But willing, almost, yeah. Uh, you know, it created one goal doing that. Almost created two. He was, you know, a foot, an inch or so offside, which was ruled back for VAR. Um, you know, the ball that Kane played to Son for the first goal was, again, one of the the pat- doesn't go down as an assist of the season because he didn't get credit for the assist. But he made that happen in that ball that he played on that first time 
pass to Sun. Yeah. And then Sun, credit to Sun. Nine times out of ten, he's probably taking that shot, and I wouldn't blame him if he had. But in the moment, he recognized Ederson cutting down his angle, saw Kulisevsky making the run into the box, and played a perfect pass, and Kulisevsky finished really coolly as well. Um, Michael Cox also made the point in his article for The Athletic that Spurs were deep, but they weren't passive, and that that the the forwards were trying to press the centre-back, so they didn't make it easy for Manchester City to squeeze them up and dictate things. And there was always that threat in behind. Another player we need to talk about, Hyunmin Son is now, like, he's a bona fide Tottenham legend. Yeah. Like, he is now in his best, he's going to really give his best years to Tottenham Hotspur, unless he has an amazing period in his 30s where he's somewhere else. I, I can't predict that. But he's given his best years to Tottenham Hotspur. And he, when he's in this form and utilised in that way and working in tandem with Kane, he's devastating. Absolutely devastating. Before we, I have to read this stat out. This is from Chris Somersell, who is a UEFA A-licensed coach. This is Harry Kane... Statistics under Nuno Espirito Santo. So 2.3 shots per 90, 0.2 xG per 90, 0.08 xG per shot, 4.6 touches in the box. And this is under Kante. 4.3 shots per 90, 0.6 xG per 90, 0.15 xG per shot, 6.1 touches in the box. 6.1 touches in the box. That's everything. And by the way, that is partially how you beat Man City. Like it, when you watch this, you, it's easy to say, okay, well, other teams can follow this this model that Tottenham I, set up. You load up guys in the box, you make them cross in balls, you hope to repel as many as you possibly can, and then you you beat them on the counterattack. But here's the thing: here's why Tottenham are a little bit different. You know, you, you can play that way. You're not going to get many chances doing it. So you got to have someone lethal who can finish them, Ruth. and he's that guy. <laughs> like he's it. He's ruthless, absolutely ruthless. And the point you make is correct, that the quality of chance that Spurs created was was crucial, absolutely yeah. crucial. Um, but yeah, just the performances they managed. Now, here's the question going forward is, Conte is showing what he can do now. The question, in, in, and I know I'm, I'm going big, big, big picture here, but Conte can show what he can do with this team. He right. clearly wants more players. So when in. they inevitably lose to Burnley on Wednesday, <laughs> we really need to let him have it. <laughs> no, it's it's more it's more. Does Daniel Levy respond in kind to what he's seen here and say, "I'm going in the summer. I, I'm going hundred. Yes, I'm going to back him big. You have to in what he does, and then you'd wonder what's the ceiling for Spurs now. Well, easy there, fella. Obviously, contract talks will start. Uh, with Harry Kane, although I believe Spurs are going to leave that for Kane to do, they're going to say they're going to say, "Hey, Kane, who's contracted for another three or four years? Is it three years?" I'd have to check. I thought, yeah, I thought it was two more. Years, Maybe it's two I... more years. But that conversation the, last summer can't be wiped under the carpet completely. There'll have to be a conversation about, well, you know, Harry, here we are entering a new season. Right? Do you still love us? Are we are we friends again? And, and the way they finish this season is going to go a long way in determining what he what he wants his future. I would to think be. so. Um, if they finish strong with this manager, and if they back him in the transfer window, which I they'd be insane, quite frankly, not to. Uh, I don't I don't know I don't know that he'll want to leave, but you never know. I know hope is not the friend of the Tottenham supporter. Correct. But hard not to be hopeful when you saw 
what was given, what was served <laughs> this up the is, weekend. Now, this can, is the world we live in. Now we can, made fun of this world last weekend, JJ. I the know, wild fluctuations from week world, to week. I know. They just lost three in a row. Let's just see. Yeah, and, and you're right. And, and can you play, in some ways, and, and don't take me the wrong way, but it's easy to play against the top side. You have to know your game plan. You have to know what you're going to do. What happens when it's a team that's going to sit in on you? Yeah, like I said, they have Burnley on Wednesday. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, okay. um, a couple other quick things for uh, for me on this one. Uh, you mentioned Kane. I had a quick trivia question for you, JJ. Of all the players in Premier League history, only this player has more game-tying or game-winning goals than Harry Kane in the 90th minute and beyond. This is a tough one. I mean, huge, big-name guy. But I don't know that this will be someone you would automatically think of for something like that. Like late winning goals, basically. Tying or winning goals in the 90th or later. Kane, Fowler, Benteke, and Defoe all have five. This guy Kane, has seven. Kane, Fowler, Benteke, and Defoe. They've all had five tying or winning goals in the 90th or later. It's not Michael in, Owen. In Premier League history. It's not Michael Owen. That's not Shearer. Not Shearer. Vanisleroy. No. Tell me. Another guy whose name kind of sounds like that. Ah, go on, tell me. Robin Van Persie. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have picked that. I wouldn't have picked that one. Yeah. Um, here is what Kane's winner sounded like. In by Kulisevsky. Kane! That is extraordinary! He has gone and stolen it back! Given what had just happened a few minutes ago with Tottenham conceding the penalty, it's one of the surreal moments of the season for them to just come right back down. I mean, City scored that equalizer, and you kind of thought, there's still five minutes here for City to get the winner. It never really entered. It, to me, at that point, it's, it's preservation mode. It's get out of here with a point mode. It did not enter my mind that Tottenham were going to use those final five minutes to go on and win it. Incredible. I thought the composure of Kulishevsky, that cross... You can't, you got to get that right. And in that moment when everyone's tired, it's easy to miss hit it. It's easy to hit the first defender. It's easy to shank it. You didn't do any of that. It's a great, it's a great cross and a superb header. And Can I ask you a question about Kane? Yes. Maybe I'm going too deep here trying to be some kind of psychologist that I'm clearly not. But, you know, Kane, he, want, he wanted to play for Man City. There's no, it just is what it is. Yeah. He doesn't. He plays for Tottenham. Do you think there's a bigger chip on his shoulder City had a choice, essentially. They, they decided to go all in, not on him. They decided to spend $100 million on Jack Grealish. You think Kane, these guys are motivated by a lot of different things. Of course, they all want to win. But you can find extra motivation as a professional athlete in a lot of different areas. Sure. It wouldn't shock me if Kane said, oh, you thought that guy who's you know, on your bench was more important to you than me. Let me show you how important I am with the performance of the season. I... Uh... I definitely, I don't think it was directed against uh, against Jack Grealish per se, or you know, maybe not quite framed like that. But it was certainly, here's what I can do, mm-hmm. and here's why you were wrong not to go that little extra mile to tr- to to convince Daniel Levy to to let me go, money wise. Um, by the way, I don't think even Grealish was on the bench, was he? Grealish is still, as far as I know, has an injury. They haven't made it very clear, but he hasn't played since the last night out mm. where he was outside a, let's say, a drinking establishment and a video came out that where he was a little worse for wear. Pep played it off. He said, huh, I was only sad that I wasn't invited out. But um, 
you know how Pep would be about alcohol and drinking in the middle of the season. So uh. I don't really think. Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure it's injury. Maybe it is some kind of internal sanction. But I, I'm just speculating here. But no, I, I, I think. Um, but Manchester City haven't been short of goals. The debate now, and I heard it on BBC Radio Five Live. The debate is about well, you know, could City, could they end up ruining not signing Harry Kane? Calm down for a second now. Okay, I would, I would be calm on that. I don't think City have been, as we've seen, without an out, an out and out centre forward. They've been just fine so far. Very this true. This is the first. I mean, is it? A, it maybe it's a blip. I, we, we, it, it remains to be seen. You know, teams are supposed to lose games every now and again. <laughs> You're right. We're conditioned. They lose, and it's earth-shattering. Yes. It's news. And we'll, we'll see how much of the earth it will shatter. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that in a sec. One other note on Tottenham um, before we get to the city angle of this. It's interesting, JJ, because we were talking last week about Tottenham's transfer window over the summer, and there was one name I excluded. I said, you know, Heal is already gone. Emerson Royale, we don't know what he is, but up to this point, we're not sure that he's, he's good. Um, we didn't mention Christian Romero, honestly, because it, in my in that moment of venting, it just didn't fit my my narrative. <laughs> but now it does. Old narrative, Andy. He, yeah, he's spectacular. He's spectacular. But we he has been a Serie A defender of the year before, right? You know, and I think for Tottenham fans, he's been absent so far through injury. Um, you know, there was that weird when he went to Conmebol World Cup qualifying he wasn't allowed back in the country they had he had to go train in Croatia for 10 days or whatever it was so Tottenham fans haven't gotten to see this guy yet he's just kind of been this like off in the background figure now they're starting to see him he's the goods like he is fantastic and I know there will be people who will kind of like laugh at this a little bit but Eric Dyer is playing the position beautifully he's been one of Tottenham's most important players this season when healthy and you can start to see now, what I think is important, the positions, if we're going to talk about them back in Conte, I want to know, okay, well, where are those positions? Like, if, if they're going to play a back three, Dyer and Romero, they're part of the future. Like, that works for me. Is Ben but, Davies. No, and that's not necessarily Ben Davies' fault. I think it's important to have a guy like that on your team. He's a, he's a kind of a defensive Swiss Army knife. If guys get hurt, he can fill, fill in it at fullback, maybe wingback, certainly at, at one of the back three. Um, but if he's starting for you, there's a potential weak spot there. Same is probably true of Davinson Sanchez, who some weeks looks brilliant. Other weeks, he has mental meltdowns, and, and he costs them goals. Money should be spent on that other on that other third center back. Right. Like you can start to see that now. But Romero, I, I, I felt bad that he got the handball against him. By the way, I should say both VAR decisions for me, as frustrating as they were, were correct calls. I thought that, you know, handball, sure, I don't know what the rule is, but to me, I looked at that, and as soon as I saw it, I said, uh, no, 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 but it's going to come back. Seeing as we're handing out praise, I know he spilled for the Manchester City equaliser, mm-hmm. but I thought Lloris made some fine saves. He had a save on Gundogan that was one of the saves of the year. Yeah, um, You're right. For that first goal coming off of the game he had just had against Wolves, I thought, what is your deal right now? Yeah, Get right, man. Like this is, And he did. And to his credit, some guys might crumble after that. He did not. He was brilliant the rest of the game. Uh, let's go to the Manchester City side of this, JJ, because there was something I wanted to ask you about. Um, you know, we're talking about the title race. Yeah. Uh, Mark Twain once responded to reports of his death by saying reports of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. Yeah. Does 
Does that apply to the way we handled by we I mean everyone on earth yes. handled the the title race in this league? I, we need to pump the brakes a little bit. The door has been opened for Liverpool, certainly. But here's the here's the mathematical formula. It's not maths. I'm not good at maths. Everybody knows that. But here's the formula. So Liverpool have Leeds United on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. They need to win that game. I think there's every chance they will, considering the state Leeds are in right now. So that would be three points. What has to happen and what's more likely to happen is the question here. That City, who are capable of going off and winning 12 games in a row, Liverpool now have to be so are you. flawless. So is Liverpool. Um, not to the not to the same extent. Mm-hmm. I mean, like look at look at what happened to Liverpool over Christmas. Liverpool have yet to to expand a a, a, a winning run at the same level that City have. They haven't done that yet. Now we've seen it in eighteen nineteen, where they went back and forth, but that really wasn't a title race because well, it was an unbelievable title race. It it, it really wasn't. Liverpool Liverpool lost the initiative and you and City didn't lose a game to the end of the season. And Liverpool were always playing catch up. A title race for me is where they're neck and neck, maybe one goes ahead, another team drops points, then the other team goes ahead. It's far more similar to kind of what's happening in Italy right now rather than this. The thing about City and the worry for people who've been watching them under Guardiola, if you're looking for a title race here, is that they will just rip off till the end of the season. This was their their defeat, which they can, they are well capable of losing to Tottenham any year that you want to pick under Guardiola. Tottenham have uh, won four of their last six, I believe. Nobody else against has, City. It's, it's weird. Yeah. So, yeah, look, Liver. The, the the good part of the equation for Liverpool right now is that for the first time in a long time, you could say, you know, injury wise. They're not really badly hampered. We have to see what's happening with Jota. I think Firmino's going to be okay. They're talking about Jota could play at the weekend in the Carabao Carling Rothmans League Cup final. You just signed Luis Diaz. You got Luis Diaz. You know, Canate at cent- the centre back conundrum has been solved. We have players and we have cover. So if you are talking about Liverpool being in a really good position to capitalise on a future City mistake. But City still need to make another mistake. You win on Wednesday. Yes. is it, It's Wednesday, right? Yeah, Wednesday. You win on Wednesday. It's back on. You're within three. The goal differential is basically the same. Yeah, but you need, you need City. And you still play them. You still need City to... Uh... That's true. And look, you may... It, it may get back up to six points at one point. It might. But if you beat them in that game on April 9th and get it down to, you know... Whatever, maybe you'll maybe you'll tie them at that point. Maybe you'll you'll get it to within two. All I'm saying is, win that game on Wednesday, and it, and there's reason to pay win attention. that game on Wednesday, and don't lose or draw any other games. No, and, no, no, no. You oh, can't say yes, that. Yes, you yet. can say I'm that. I'm not saying Liverpool have to go on and win this thing. I'm just speaking as a neutral. What what counts as a race? Well, like, yeah. For I, me, I mean, Liverpool don't have to overtake City. It's like for you, you have a different qualification of what a title race is. You need yeah. teams jockeying back and forth. But I, I don't need that. I need team. I need team B to be with, within striking distance of team A. That to me qualifies just to as be a title in, race. Just to be in touch. Yes. Okay. That's a title race. There's a question as to who's going to go on and win this thing. Hmm. You win on Wednesday. There's a que- a legitimate question. I find it a little disappointing that we don't play City till. April, like it seems too long. You you almost want that head to head to come sooner. Although maybe you don't. Maybe they win all their games. They're neck and neck, and then that game comes up and it feels like a cup final. 
But um, the the door is much more open than it was. I would put it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't think we'd be here. I'm glad we're here. I think NBC is glad we're here. I think everyone should. I yeah. mean, other than Manchester City supporters who uh, they want to win it and they don't care if it's boring for the rest of us, that and they're right to feel that way. But everybody who's a fan of this sport, you want excitement. And it's interesting now because so Tottenham have helped Liverpool obviously immensely. And now who is it next weekend that Liverpool are going to be asking more help from? It's Everton that play Manchester City next week. Well, are Everton going to We'll, we'll get help to, out their neighbors. We'll get to Everton when we uh, we have our Lampard and Gerrard watch. It's back. It's back, folks. Well, while we're talking about this this title race, that I now believe we are a couple days from away from confirming that it re exists, that it's been brought back from the dead. <laughs> Let, let's talk about Liverpool. JJ, not a ton to say about it. They had played Norwich, but they went down a goal, and then they scored. Yeah, they promptly scored they three. They didn't play that well for about forty five minutes, but they also rested Trent Alexander Arnold. Just rested him, left him out of the side completely. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Gomez came in. Uh, second half was much better. I thought there was uh, there were some really good moments where they were really at it. But, you know, Norwich, Norwich are actually... I, I feel bad for Norwich because they're going down fighting and they're, they're, they're doing something in every game. They're creating a few chances. Like, Norwich could have been 1-0 up at halftime. Timu Puki had a really good shot across the bows. Um, I enjoyed watching Josh Sargent obviously got the assist for Mila Rashica, although it's not going to go down as a Rashica goal. It's going to go down as an own goal, so I don't know how. Oh, is it? I think so, yeah. I don't know if that's what it says. Oh. Uh, Maybe the dubious goals committee have already met and decided. Uh, I'll, I'll double check while yeah, you're talking. But you see, you see Sargent up and down. Like, that was heartening to watch, by the way, for us uh, U.S. men's national team watchers, how hard he worked. Um, but Liverpool didn't play that well in the first half. The second half... I thought Diaz took his goal really, really well. I thought Salah took his goal from the 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 assist from Allison superbly well because he almost messed it up, then recomposed himself, and then sent the keeper and two other defenders the wrong way and just rolled it in in slow motion into the corner. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it Liverpool got a little bit of a scare, and um, I think that is the thing, though. You, you do feel, despite City's defeat at the weekend, you do feel that as good as Liverpool are, but just by matter of fact of the way that they play, you know, they can be vulnerable. They can be a little more vulnerable than City. They usually win. However vulnerable they might be, <laughs> they win a lot more than they lose. The defeat to Leicester City didn't didn't happen for you. The fact that they have, what, how many draws? Six draws? I, in fact, if anything, it won't I'm not be... not saying they're it invincible. Won't be, no, 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 I'm just saying... In, in, well, what's your deal? Exactly? No, no, no. I think in the context of the title race, the the relentless machine like Manchester City are less likely to slip up than Liverpool are. There goes JJ putting up walls, trying putting to, up self preservation shields. I'm, I, I can't allow myself to believe because it will just make it hurt more. Ah, no, no, no. The, I am super excited about this. I'm just being. I'm. I'm trying to be honest about uh, how I see it. But it's such a big week for Liverpool. Wednesday. Got the the game against Leeds United, and then all eyes on winning the League Cup final on Sunday. Hopefully, mm-hmm. yeah, that is a, that's a massive game, you know. Yeah, because I tend to agree with Jamie Carragher's idea that it would be nice to pad out this trophy collection of Klopp since he arrived with some more domestic cups. I I totally agree. Yeah, with the that. league and the Champions League, it's not enough. 
You have to well, have it all. You're taking the Trent Alexander-Arnold line, who was interviewed last week and had a pop at City. Uh, you know, it, he was asked, did it frustrate him that you know City have won all these leagues in the last few years? And and he goes, well, we've won the Premier League and the the Champions League. Uh, the Champions League is the biggest one. And they haven't done that, so he's the right answer it's, mm. it's what he should say I would imagine a score sheet with Mane Salah and Diaz on it is kind of what you envisioned that's like that's Diaz has come in hit the ground running he's yeah. looked so lively like I said took his goal really really well and just looks like looks like a Liverpool player um, like I said Salah coming back <laughs> hit the ground running as well, coming back from the African Cup of Nations, this is this is very good. Don't let me don't let me fool anyone. I'm excited. Um, I'm glad that the door now is open for for a run in a nice run in. Um, but it's uh, you know it's February. Chelsea are the ones that will be most frustrated by this. It felt like they could, you know, this season being somewhat of a disappointment based on expectations that could fly under the radar because oh well, City are running away from everyone. Like this isn't our fault. They're just, like, no one could keep up with what they're doing. Well, now they've come back down to earth, and Chelsea are, are nowhere to be found in this newfound title race. I would imagine that that's frustrating for them. Terrible game over the weekend. They found a way to win it. Yeah. Hakeem Ziyech has been really good lately. I think that's three straight games that he scored. I didn't three, wa- three straight appearances for him that he scored. I didn't watch it, but I, I, I follow, um, he, he's a Sirius XM producer and Chelsea fan, Andrew Williams. And he said, we haven't played a good game since November. Uh, yeah. And it feels like that with Chelsea. They have been eking out results, also eking out not not such good results, but mainly you feel like they're in a bit of a... They've hit the buffers a bit. Well, you wonder if they... I mean, like the league is what it is. They're not winning it, but they're going to qualify for Champions League. So they're kind of just seeing it out. I just wonder if now the Champions League is where their sole focus is. And the League Cup, you know, that that would be a huge trophy for them if they could get that this weekend against Liverpool. I mean, that's that's a big deal. Uh, and then they'll see how far things go in Europe. I think that's now where their focus lies. Um, one note, JJ, from this game that needed to be mentioned. So I saw after this there was a statistic circulating that, um, you know, if you watch the game, you might have not even realized Romelu Lukaku was playing. In a bad game, sometimes that can happen. Sure. Then you see the stat out there that he had seven touches, and you think to yourself, that seems jarringly low, but maybe that can happen. Well, I'm here to tell you, no, it can't. It doesn't. It actually hasn't. Since that statistic of touches has started being tracked in 2003, it's the fewest touches for a player in a game in the Premier League. What's going on here? One of those touches in the first half, one of two touches in the first half, was from the kickoff. Yeah. Does that even count? It apparently does. I wouldn't. I, I mean, I guess I would have thought, yeah, it should, I suppose. That's, I'm sorry, that's horrifying. So what is this? Is, this? is this him in horrifying form and he's hiding? Is this their system, which is primarily defensively based and he's just too isolated and they don't have the guys to get to, to be feeding him, is it? It's everything. I Do you guess. think? Uh, is it him really just sulking? What, I don't know. What is it? I can't. That one's hard to answer. Only he could really, I guess, answer that. Maybe it's just all of these things. But what? It, what it? What it definitively is is a problem, and it in some way needs to be solved. Whether that's him 
changing whatever his attitude is out there and trying to bring himself move deeper. You know, we talked about that with Kane in the past, where he's moved deeper to see more of the ball. Maybe Lukaku well, needs to do that. he's functional in doing well, it. Well, yeah, right? he's and a, he's, he's a, a better passer. passer, so he can he can be more of a ten, whereas Lukaku is more of a true nine. Um, is it on Tuchel? To, I I I can't let this continue. I have to change something here. It's on me now to make this work. You have to wonder did did Tuchel sign him? You have to start asking that question now. Doesn't seem like it. And we all know at clubs, manage, the managers don't have the last say. Often they don't have the last say. And Tuchel was only in the door, so you don't know how far down the line negotiations or thoughts were in the Chelsea hier- hierarchy of bringing in Lukaku. Maybe even while Frank Lampard was there. I don't know. Um, so I made up a response that Thomas Tuchel could have come up with immediately after the game. Okay. To... Diffuse. Diffuse. This is what I came up with. Tell me what you think. Uh-huh. Um, so he was asked, you know, seven touches in the game, you know, blah, blah, blah. What, what do you think of your striker? This is often the life of a striker. We know his quality, but today was just a day that he didn't see much of the ball. It can be frustra- frustrating, a frustrating job being a, tr- a, a top quality striker, but his quality is clear. There's nothing to worry about. I love that you butchered your own quote I know, there. Jesus. I mean, man, you wrote Joseph, the thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's just terrible. This is what he actually said. Okay. I'll try not to butcher this one. So he was talking to BN Sports. He shrugged his shoulders, which is a thing Tuchel does. It's a, it's a bit of a giveaway. No, no, it's not about the system. Asked to elaborate, he said, well, it is what it is. But it is for him no change of system because it's the same attacking structure. We always attack in a 4-1. It's just for the build-up. Sometimes we build up in a 3-2. And sometimes in a 4-1. For him, it changed nothing. So he could have thrown, in, in my butchered response, I threw my striker, my imaginary striker, a life belt. He didn't do that. D- decided he wouldn't do that. And he's been consistent. You know, he said not that long ago, we will not change our... This is a team, remember? He said, we, we will not change up for anyone. Today, he said about Lukaku, he's in the spotlight and we'll protect him. Hmm? Romelu will always be part of the solution. Sometimes it's like this with strikers. If they struggle a little bit with self-confidence and to find the space to get involved with a good defensive side. Of course, it's not what we want and what Romelu wants, but it's also not the time to laugh about him and make jokes about him. (laughs) The fact that you're saying that. Yeah, I wouldn't have, that didn't need to be acknowledged. No. Also, most of that response was better. It I was better, say. but it, it seemed like as if it was prompted by that he, he, he revisited what he said and thought that was too too hard. So what do they do here? They I, get rid in oh, the summer. All right. Well, they have two options here. Uh, the first option is, well, it depends. It, it, will Tuchel even be here? That is the question. He's on a, what, two-and-a-half-year contract. Um, and we know how, what Chelsea do. So mm-hmm. they finish... Fourth, third, don't win the Champions League. He's probably going to be sacked. You think so? I mean, this is the history of the Chelsea. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't think of... Some of it will be down to what are their options. And who's going to give you... Like, Chelsea have been excellent at recouping money from, from strikers in sales. And how will they do that for him when he is... 
his value will be will be low, diminished. Yes. They will take a significant loss on it, whether or not that matters for them. But you you don't see this working out, not under this manager anyway. No, no, it's hard to right now. It's not impossible. Um, you know, there, but yeah, I see him going. I just maybe even boy, that's that's a that's a big one and done to take. It is, but. I feel like a club like Chelsea can absorb it. Whether Romelu Lukaku can absorb it, like where would he go next? I, I don't think... Maybe he can go at a discounted rate back to his beloved Inter. I mean, they that would be an upgrade at striker considering they're operating with a 36-year-old in, in Dzeko up front. Mm-hmm. They'd be able to bring in a guy who's younger and has a great relationship with the club in terms of what he's recently achieved with them. Discounted well, rate. we don't know exactly what his relationship with the club is. Remember the fans. The fans. He made. He went on that apology tour, because and they of, didn't want to know about it. Right. So now, if he if he went back there, I'm sure they would accept him, um, because ultimately, I think he would help them win. But I'm surprised, honestly, that this has gone the way that it has. I mean, I remember not long ago, I was telling everybody to be patient here. Yeah. That this guy was dealing with injuries. Um, you know that. He was still. He actually had scored some goals for them for however bad we thought things were going. But I think now the sample size is getting to be large enough where we and and Tuchel's unwillingness to sort of change anything around to help bring him into the action. I think you combine those two things and you, you can start to say, okay, there. This is now, like I said before, this is now a problem. I think this is a legitimate problem. And they look better without him when he doesn't play. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm yeah. not saying they're a wonderful attacking side. That part of the game, Tuchel is not fully figured out with this Chelsea side, and they have good enough players. It's just weird to think of what, like, this idea of what is or isn't a successful season for a club like Chelsea is is so difficult to kind of pinpoint because there's a real-world real scenario where they exit this season having won the FIFA Club World Cup, having potentially beaten a great team in Liverpool sure. to win a trophy in the League Cup, finishing third in the Premier League, which for them it's not what they want, but it's also not as a disaster. We'll see how far they could, you know, let's say they get to the semis maybe of the Champions League. Like, that sounds like a good season, but I don't know that yeah, but, it'll be viewed but, that way. But it is a good season. There's nothing wrong with that season. Like Arsene Wenger always said, you can, only one team can win. But I think the fact that they're not a part of a domestic title race will overshadow everything. What you think is good and what, you know... Roman Abramovich and um, Granovskaya think is a good season are two totally different things. Yeah, fascinating. I'll tell you what. Let's let's collect ourselves. There's still more to get to, including like we uh, referenced earlier that thriller uh, at Ellen Road between Leeds United and Manchester United. We'll talk about that. We've got some other stuff uh, domestically to talk about with Gio Reyna, Sergio Dest, the She Believes Cup. Still a ton to do here on Caught Offside. Don't go anywhere. Back now on Caught Offside, JJ, there was something I meant to mention to you earlier when we were talking about uh, City and Spurs. Um, I don't know, maybe this is just something that exists in like the Tottenham Twitter sphere, um, but are, have you seen any of this like conspiracy theory stuff with Craig Pawson? No. So the the official, the referee, he oh wasn't the referee boy. for that game, he was the, the sideline oh, official. Oh, I did, I did. He's on the sideline and... Just as uh, Kane's header goes in, he scores. It shows Conte going nuts, and Guardiola kind of falls. Well, he bows his head into his hands, 
and Pawson looks like the assistant manager of Manchester City. There's no way around it. He looks completely and utterly dejected. And so, <laughs> obviously, the Tottenham, oh, that's not good. the Tottenham world has gone into full conspiracy theory mode. And so now, people are out there searching for other videos. And another video... <laughs> Was unearthed that I watched earlier Paulson today. Paulson <laughs> So another video. P on. <laughs> another video was unearthed earlier today. I saw it just before we started recording. Um, it was Arsenal somebody. I forget who they're playing. But uh, the video, he's the official for this one. Mm-hmm. Lacazette is in on goal in stoppage time, I think, in a, in a tie game. Take, blast one, and it's a great save. And again, Pawson looks utterly dejected. And so now there's this feeling of, is this guy a blatant Arsenal fan? Does he, does he actually hate Tottenham because he's an Arsenal fan? This could all be explained away in other ways. I have no idea. I find it hilarious. <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily buy into it. I don't believe that it no. affects the way he's calling games. I know there are people out there who will think that. Um, and sometimes you do get caught up in, in the drama of a game. But why would he be upset, And you get sucked into it. But it's not that he's upset. Football is a game where people are very reactionary in their their mannerisms, in their physicality. Uh Uh, I've been to games where I have had no dog in the hunt whatsoever. I mean, I went to see QPR and Coventry when Adele Tarrapt was there. Okay. And I became... (laughs) I'm not even joking. When... Tarapt scored, or he played that amazing pass for, I can't remember who it was, but QPR score, and I got up and I'm cheering. You got swept up. And the yeah, co- You're also not the referee. Yeah, I suppose. You're a fan. Yeah, that's true. Peeing on is a real thing. <laughs> so we're going to monitor this. Again, I don't take this seriously. It was it, a definite, there was it, a definite no... disappointment. Yeah. There is one other thing, and I will dig it out. There was a referee who was at Anfield, and somebody scored an amazing goal. Now, this is over 10 years ago, so it might not be on YouTube. Okay. And he started clapping after the goal. And as he's going back to the halfway line to reset, start the game, he claps. Could that be As him? it's going in, he claps, and then he's turned. And there was video of it. And it, it set the world alight then as well. Yeah. They got a tough job. They got to call a game, and they've got to do it stoically. They cannot allow emotion to impact them in any way, shape, or form because it leaves this yeah. open for interpretation. I don't. It was just weird. It was weird. It, it looked odd. It definitely looked odd. Yeah. And for a second, I thought it was the assistant manager of Manchester City. <laughs> if I didn't know that it was. Google, uh, Pawson himself that we know his face right. I would have thought that's the assistant manager of City yeah it was that weird mm. uh, let's talk about the other club in Manchester JJ Manchester United what a what a fun game this turned out to be in just an uh, epic rain uh, 4-2 lots of goals before we even talk about the game I, I could only assume with the way this was played there was a couple times JJ where I saw a pass <laughs> made and and in this rain, the ball basically would stop after right. you know several yards, and so I thought, well, there we have to have just a rousing rendition of JJ's turf talk with do, this one. Yeah. Do you? Um, hello and welcome to NPR's turf talk. Do you know what pathetic fallacy is? Mm, no. Pathetic fallacy is a a thing where the it was used in King Le- in Shakespeare's King Lear, where Lear is on the heath and it's 
storms are around him. Like there's crashing thunder. And he's going through a breakdown. So that's when nature is in concert or in, in sync with the mood of man. Oh, okay. Right. So that game with the wind and the rain lashing and the, the, the pools of water making it conducive for ridiculously bad tackles. It's almost cinematic. Yeah, that was... It was at times it was platoon and Scott McTominay was the star. Or like, isn't there one game in any given Sunday where it's just like a monsoon? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I know the one you're on about. Yeah, yeah exactly like that. Um, I think McTominay posted a picture of like his, his, I think it was his ankle or something was all beaten up from the tackles he had to take, and he said proper game of football. Or and yeah, I mean that's kind of cool actually. I yeah, like well he's turned into that kind of combative midfielder who who just loves it, and he could, I mean, he could have walked. Any number of players could have been sent off in this one. Um, it was... You need those conditions sometimes. You just need them because that was a throwback game. I haven't seen... Well, I suppose United and Leeds, since Leeds have come back in, has is this the first time at Ellen Road where there's been a crowd? I think so. You're probably right. Yeah, so that makes a, a big, big difference. Um, it was an incredibly fun game. Yeah. Although it ended in typically Leeds fashion. And I wonder... Well, here's my takeaways from it. If I'm a United fan, that is two really good wins on the bounce. One against Brighton, where United didn't play that well. Brighton dominated the ball, but still got it done. That was, that's been, you could see that as a bit of a turning point. And then to go to Leeds and score four is excellent. Really, really good. And that really propels them forward. And uh, Pogba as well. I thought Pogba was really good. I thought Jaden Sancho is beginning to hit the kind of form we really... I mean, Ranić is getting something out of him. In fact, in the first half, when United were attacking down the right-hand side, I was like, get it get it over the left. For the first 15, 20 minutes, it was all down the right. When it got to Sancho, there was a different level of danger. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was good. And I thought Langa took his, took his goal really, really well. However, and Everton fans will agree with me, there is a Leeds United discount. <laughs> Just as Everton played their best football of their season against Leeds and then go out and don't even get a shot on target against Southampton, United, they love playing Leeds. And we, we talked about it earlier in the season. But it's crazy. And it's now to the point where I know I'm going to get crushed by United fans for, you know, I'm not downplaying the result. Four goals to beat your rival like that. There was excellent uh, points to that performance as I've talked about but uh, Lee Dixon said afterwards he goes well Leeds kind of un- allowed United to win after equalising like 2-2 what United fans were factoring in was oh this is another collapse we've been in the lead and now we're collapsing again mm-hmm. they didn't factor in the Leeds United would collapse again and which they did and Lee, Lee Dixon said they allowed Leeds Leeds allowed United to win this game, and I think that's a big factor. I watching Leeds is they've got the the Bielsa elements are still there, the hard work and everything, but no Bamford, no Calvin Phillips. That one, I'm not having Bamford obviously hurts. You know he's he's really become a really nice player. The Calvin Phillips one, I think they need like their problem is is defensively. Yeah, you know they're they can be shredded. They can and, be shredded. And they need someone like him to help protect their defense. So I'm watching the game, Andrew, in my uh, little inn in Vermont. And I'm watching the TV footage of the corner flag 
just basically blowing over in a gale. Yeah. And United have a corner. And I thought, this is going in. I, I knew this is going. If Maguire gets his head on this, this is going in. Sure enough, Llorente gets twisted it's into a knot. some of the worst defending you can see on a corner. What? what? I don't know. By the that. way, does anyone... I don't think there's a goalkeeper right now, and I know he's highly rated by Peter Schmeichel, but Messier... He just... He makes me so nervous. I think he's made the second most saves this season, behind only his counterpart in this game, David De Gea. Well, he's nowhere on that corner kick. Nowhere. If he stays at home, he's got a chance, at least. But it was just horrifying defending, and, and your your love of in-swingers, when you've got a gale like that, you got to use it. Oh, yeah. Should have gone for an Olympico. <laughs> Seen it done. Yeah. Um, a couple things from this one that I wanted to mention. The... I'm glad you brought up Jaden Sancho. We haven't talked about him a ton this season, but I want to talk about him now because I wonder about something. We always talk about how it's important for teams to have big squads, but we've also talked about with Manchester United, that could be problematic. Yeah. Sometimes a squad can be too big. I wonder if he's someone, you know, you sometimes the best can be brought out in a player through competition. Um, but I also wonder if he's someone who could benefit from the squad not being big. Not necessarily just in the sense that it, it will provide him more minutes, but I do think maybe a young player who's we know is, is gifted. We know how great he is. We've seen it at Borussia Dortmund. But like now maybe he benefits from not having to look over his shoulder every time he makes a mistake. Maybe he can be freer in the way he, he plays now, that there's not, you know, there aren't gonna be guys, you know, Mason Greenwood for different reasons, you know, him or a Martial, you know, players like that. You know, every time something goes wrong, maybe he doesn't have to worry the way that he would have earlier in the season. I, I know what you're saying, but I, I think that it's important for him to have a manager who knows what he can and can't do. Mm-hmm. And I never felt Solskjaer really... Like, they'd chased him for so long. Sancho to United was... It had become this, like, meme for, like, two and, like and a half years. like a two-year chase, yeah. Yeah, and when they got him, it didn't, it didn't seem like they knew what he did at Dortmund. Or they couldn't get him to do that. Whereas Ranić seems to have a clearer idea of what he can do. Now, again, the, the the next piece to this conundrum is what you do with the the aging centre forward. Who I, we talked about Chelsea playing better without Lukaku, possibly. I I think United play better without Ronaldo. And again, I know um, Messier made a brilliant save from him, a point blank save in, in the first half. How did he not score? It was a. It, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. It was a bit behind him, but other than that, like he. He was he was lost. Now he did he. It was funny. I don't know who it was. A Robin Koch went down in the first half, and Ronaldo is like over him. He seems really really concerned, and I just thought Ronaldo is not concerned. The wind is and the rain is dry. He just wants this guy to get up so they can get on with the game and get out of here. He did not look. I mean, he hasn't looked like the Ronaldo of old. He never will be the Ronaldo of old. But I think. Um, that's another one for Ranić. Now, that's a bigger problem. I think he's solved Sancho. He knows how this attack, how he wants it to operate, but I don't think it functions as well while um, while you've got Ronaldo on the side. It's strange too. One other guy I wanted to mention with this: um, no one would say that Bruno Fernandez is having a good season, right? I think most people would agree with that. Um, however, he recorded a goal and an assist yesterday, and he's now with that one of. Three players in the Premier League this season with 15 plus goal contributions: Salah and actually Jared Bowen. Jared are the others, Bowen. yeah. Wow, who would have thought that? I think Fernandez has, has struggled a bit for for a number of reasons, but I thought he was excellent at the weekend. I'm trying to think now back to all the United games. 
has he had a bad season? Clearly not with those those goal contributions. I thought he was very good. He got a couple of knocks early on when the tackles were flying in and I thought, he, he, this is a test of him now. Does he fancy this? And he was complaining to the ref. But he stayed, I thought he was going to go off initially, but he stayed on the field and he stuck with it and uh, put in a good performance. Uh, one other thing for Leeds. Oh. So this is actually a good thing. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, they're in a relegation battle right now. I think they'll be okay, but they're part of it. They're in, uh, they're in that fight. Yeah. Um, I don't know how things are going to go. What I do know is they provided. If we're talking about like the two most exhilarating minutes of the season, I think Bergwine against Leicester is probably it. But this is a close. This is second behind that. The two minutes that they scored those two goals to yeah. equalize. And I think, J.J., we now have a new roar to add to our catalog. This was the Rafinha – this is 59 seconds after the first goal to make a 2-1. This is Leeds' lungs. This is 59 seconds later uh, at Ellen Road. It's Daniel James. James across the That period of time Ooh. in that game was wild, incredible, and and it was so fun because you you looked at the clock and you thought there's still potentially 35. That happened in like the what was it the 50 mid 50s? I forget. 53rd that, minute and the 54th minute. We got 40 minutes left. Yeah. Like here we go. And that's, game on. That's the disappointing thing, and I think that's what's going to stick with Leeds fans to pull United back in at home. And have the momentum go your way, and then to lose it four two is going to, is so disappointing. I didn't realize this, but Leeds uh, outshot. Um, well, now United had more shots on target, but Leeds had sixteen shots to United's fifteen. They had fifty five percent of possession. I know that doesn't mean a whole lot to you anymore, and they outpassed United as well. Up front, for now, obviously Rafinha was dropped. Um, didn't start, but up front they're they're just lacking that spark. I know we talk about Bamford, Bamford but maybe you know they're missing another and a number ten or someone who can who can create a bit more. They do seem a bit blunt, and that's where you'd worry for them. I know the defending hasn't been great on set pieces, but I would worry for them a little bit in attack too. Uh, by the way, just final note on this: Manchester United. Here's what they have coming up. At Atletico Madrid in the Champions League, then Watford, then at Man City, then Spurs, then Atletico Madrid again in the Champions League, and then at Liverpool. Well, that's it's make or break time. That's the test now for them. Here, here we go. Yeah, this is their season is going to be defined by what happens in this next month or so. Also, Ranić's future might be defined. We we've heard they've opened the search for the manager. They're actively looking at candidates now and and talking to people. If, I, he might be fine with that. Like I don't know how badly he wants. This has been really stressful. He has not been there that long. This has been unusually stressful. Yeah, leaks, all that stuff. The Mag- what? What did you make of uh, Maguire? Seemed to uh, take particular pleasure in the Alanga goal, going over to the own fans, braying as loud as he possibly could. You know, after a week of what do you mean trying to like portray? I am. I am the captain. I am the captain now. <laughs> Me. Yeah, and yeah, my maybe slabular head. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, he's we'll his slide in front of the lead f- Leeds fans for his goal. Nice was, slide, by it him. was a good in, in slow motion. Nice, it, nice turn at the end. Yeah, yeah. I, I would 
in the spirit of the Olympics, I might give that slide like an 8.9. Yeah, he's more graceful on his knees sliding than he is on his feet. Uh, why? It's too hard. This is why no one can the, like me. The fan base has a particular feeling about you. Oh, they'll be fine. Uh, let's see, a couple other notes, JJ, from, uh, from around the globe. No, no, no. Oh. I want you to, before we get off the Premier League, sir. Oh, oh. Sir, please hit the button. Oh. Lampard and Gerard, we're keeping an eye on you. Good lord! I haven't heard that in years. Hit and it! Hit it one more time. Again? Yeah, please. Even while it's Lampard and Gerard, we're keeping an eye on you. It's truly demented. <laughs> it sounds like the Prodigy remixed with Don LaGreca. Lampard Gerard, watch. I remember that. Yeah, it's been a while since we've played that. Well, well, Everton. Frank Lampard's Everton lost two 0 away at Southampton. Failed to register a shot on target. Stuart Armstrong and Shane Long, who has not been amongst the goals in the past two He's years. He's kind of become like famous for not scoring. Yeah, but beloved by Hasenhutl. Because I thought when he went to Bournemouth, that'd be it for him. He wouldn't come back, but he came back. Mm. So there you go. Uh, so that's not a great result for Frank Lampard's Everton as they face Manchester City at the weekend. And now it's three games without a win for Steven Gerrard's men as they fall... 1-0 to relegation strugglers Watford Gerrard demanding his side wake up mm. Andrew wake up I like that my Every reaction my reaction is not too much different to last week I am really frustrated and disappointed in the performance and result we got into a lot of good areas today we had a lot of the ball and the game panned out as we thought it would with us needing to force the breakthrough but we lack quality in the final third we have only managed one shot on target out of 20 which is not good enough that responsibility falls on me and my staff, and we will have to take whatever comes our way. He's a classic. This is a classic Gerard rant that we, we kind of saw at Rangers. Talk about the things that they didn't do. Clearly be upset with the players, but always end with saying it's my responsibility to kind of not make it look like it's the player's responsibility. As long as you don't go to that well too often, I'm yes. okay with a manager every once in a while prodding his players if he doesn't think they're giving sure. their all. But you can't go to that well. Right. Or the, or you'll lose them. You will. Yeah. And they'll 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 get wise to it. I guess this is a setback for the Gerard march to Liverpool. Well, Andrew, I I'm sick of that. Oh. I am sick of that. There there is so many people, Liverpool fans who have forgotten or maybe don't really care for history. We spent the 90s appointing ex-players and ex-managers or ex-coaches and it never worked out. It, it, you know, that's not... We want the best in practice. When we went and got Jurgen Klopp, that's what we got. And hence, things have followed. You know... You don't... You... I know why... You're consistent. You're very consistent. Because you've spent time over the past couple of years, to a certain extent, railing against Chelsea. Just, Frank Lampard, come on down. Yeah. Manchester United. Ole, Sol, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, come on down. It's... It's a it's a fun press conference. Yes. But then you got to play games. Yes. So now Gerard is a little different than those two He's because, done better because than... he would come in with more of a resume. Mm. So, yeah, and look, let's not be blind to it. He's a Liverpool legend. I can understand why Liverpool fans would want these pieces of this puzzle to fit sure. when Klopp is ready to depart whenever that is. But it's total nostalgia. It's not actually rooted in football facts. Now, if he goes on and brings Villa right up the table into the Champions League or wins a trophy, goes to Germany, then wins the Bundesliga with someone or, or builds that resume that Klopp spent years building, 
So they, you would need you would need some silverware. Ah, yeah. From Come him. On. So yeah. so Villa Boy, for, that's a high bar you set. It is. That he's got to get to it that he's got to take Villa to a Champions League. That's the only way that he's in your mind qualified himself for And even and even job. then, I don't think a fourth place finished. Uh, wow. But what are we talking about here? You know, the the jobs of of if Real this, Madrid, Barcelona, your, Liverpool, Manchester United and no, it's yeah, presumably, if they're not your, If that's your bar, you're going to miss out on some good managers. I mean, you know, not to make about Spurs, but like then Pochettino wouldn't have qualified for you as a suitable manager for Liverpool. Right, but again, that's a different, that's a different, uh, different club. I see what you're doing with a smile on your face. In a, in a different position. At the uh, time. Let's see a couple other things here, JJ. Um, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, player who was much maligned this season with Arsenal. Hat trick at Barcelona. Big win for them, 4 1. Yeah. Yeah. He's back. Is he back? I mean, maybe. I don't know, but it's kind of a nice thing a to do. A hat trick is a nice way of kind of reannouncing yourself. And needed to, needed to be done for him, really, because there were plenty of question marks leaving North London. And Barcelona, I mean, in this studio, we raised some eyebrows. Is this what Barcelona want to be doing? But um, yeah, that that's a great start. Sometimes we talk about, like, it doesn't always make sense. We we always you know we point to performances, statistics. It's very hard to calculate like the emotional value of a player in a certain place. I don't know. Maybe change of scenery sometimes just is everything to a guy. We'll see. This is one performance, but hat trick is certainly good. While we're talking about that game, um, Javi had some things to say following about Serginho Dest. Um, this is what he said. Nice things? He said, quote, Everyone is improving, Javi said in a news conference after Sunday's impressive 4-1 win at Valencia, which saw Barca return to the top four in La Liga. Quote, Let's take Serginho as an example. When we got here, he wasn't doing so well, but now he's doing great. I thought he was spectacularly good against Valencia, both with the ball and without it. I'm really happy with his progress. Good. That's nice. That's great to hear. Kind of went out of his way to say it. Kind of went out of his way to bring in an aging 38-year-old Brazilian that used to play for them to replace him. Well, I mean, look, Serginho Dest has dealt with COVID injuries. Like, it's been since early December. He's he's had a hard time physically. Um, and so maybe now he's gotten back into form. Um, and hopefully he gets a run of games and this can continue. But I saw that quote and I thought... The way he kind of like went out of his way to make sure he mentioned Serginio Dest as an example of a guy who's thriving right now, that's nice. Maybe this is some kind of new psychology, you know? Bring back an old star to light a fire under your younger players. Yeah, maybe. Um, other American note that I wanted to mention was uh, Gio Reyna. If you saw it over the weekend and you saw him have to leave, awful. Uh, have to leave the game early on, and he's in tears because, mm. uh, you know, you can only imagine he's been out for basically the whole season, ever since that the first World Cup qualifier for the U.S., September. Um, and he's been trying to get right from this hamstring injury, which has just not been going well for him. Finally gets back and then bang, it strikes again, has to leave. He's distraught. News today, though, that they think he might only be out for two weeks, which is brilliant news for him. I don't know from the selfish Will he or won't he be available for the U.S. men at the next go-round of World Cup qualifying? Uh, that's going to be a race against time. March 24th um, is Mexico. Well, if he's back so in two we're, weeks, we're he away. will be. And if he gets a few games under his belt, then he will be. But 
it's gonna be that's gonna be tight. Is the, he gonna have enough? Dortmund don't seem that concerned. Well, no, they're <laughs> they may not be. They don't. We're not talking about them right now. I'm talking about the U.S. But the if timeline. But I'm saying if that game is in four weeks, he's going to be out for two weeks. Presumably, it then takes. He's not going to be put right back into the lineup. It's going to take some time for him to get back into game shape. Yeah, I the, see. The what clock you're saying. is going to be really, really tight, and I don't know. I don't know. And honestly, if he's only got say 20, 25 minutes with Dortmund, do you even want him in the U.S. squad? Then he goes and breaks down potentially if he plays. Do you really want that? Probably not. It's amazing that he has essentially missed one of the most promising U.S. players has essentially, when it's all said and done, may have missed their entire World Cup qualifying campaign. It's, it's I feel terrible for him, and I just hope. I mean, because he he to me is somebody who he can miss all this, but if he's healthy when when the real deal rolls around, well, welcome back in, Mr. Reyna, right this way. He's I, one of those guys. I also yeah. Because I don't think we have really to got... the squad. Maybe not the starting eleven. That, I don't. I don't know. We'll, yeah, we'll but see. He's different to Pulisic. He's different to Aronson. He's more. I don't know. He he gives us something different, mm. and we haven't really had a chance to see it for an extended period. So, but let's just hope that that two weeks is not a New York Mets two weeks. <laughs> you know, only I mean. a Mets fan can say that. Yeah, I won't. I won't. Uh interject uh speaking of u.s soccer jj the women continue to take part in the she believes cup um u.s continue to not allow goals at home ever <laughs> nil nil draw with czech republic and then a five nil beatdown of new zealand which has just been whatever the u.s did in that game and there were some brilliant performances this is one of the games i got to see at the weekend mm. uh i say brilliant performances they were brilliant performances but they were New Zealand were so overmatched. It was it was startling to the point where by the end of the game, there was New Zealand players, and I'm not being critical of New Zealand for this because it's a natural thing. If you've ever played soccer and you're on the end of a beating and you can't get the ball, you start leaving things in in tackles. Yeah, and that was happening. Trinity Rodman just basically came on the field and was kicked around the place in the second half to the point where she had to be um, helped off the field. She. She had her ankle trod on. There was, but every every contested ball, every header, there was little elbow being left in. There was, and I completely understand that because you you can't impact the game in any way other than physically. <laughs> There's no way of stopping them. Like the difference in pace was frightening, truly frightening. But doesn't matter how good the US were because everywhere gone global, gone viral, is just something horrifying that happened to Michaela Moore. It takes a lot to be watching your team play and almost feel upset when you see them score a goal. And that was how I felt on the third Michaela Moore own goal. Because, okay, the first one was very bad. The second one wasn't really her fault. It was kind of just a, there's nothing she could do about the second one. But now in her mind, she is clearly aware of the fact that I have now scored two own goals today. And she's thinking about it. And the third one is so bad. It's one of the worst own goals I've seen in a long time. She completes a hat-trick of own goals. And even as an American fan wanting to see the U.S. score goals and win games, I saw the third one and I thought, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 not another. 
you felt sick for that girl. I you mean, did. You, you, she she wants to go and hide somewhere. You and your, where can you go? You laughed your head off at first, and then you saw how distraught she was. Oh, uh, yeah. Because it was it was kind of hilarious. You know, three on goals. It's so absurd that you're like, what? No, it can't be this person. It's again. really hard in soccer to score goals when you're trying to score goals. Imagine trying to prevent goals from being scored and completing a hat-trick. Julie Foudy tried to suggest that this is what happens when you turn the opposition and face them towards their own goal. Three own goals? I mean, I guess. Yeah, I mean, look, you can only score own goals by applying a lot of pressure. Like, the U.S. did their job. Yeah. But, like... It's hard to know what they take out of these games. I really... Well, they should... The New Zealand one, they should be very happy with that performance. And there was, they looked really good. There was a lot of, you know, upset after the, the Czech Republic draw. There was some concern. But, uh, I mean, that's they're, again, they're like kind of in that Manchester City territory where they are going to have draws. and No, they're not. They usually win every game. They oftentimes win. They're very good. Could, with, with the with the own goal thing, before we get off of that, yeah. if, if you were watching this play out and you were saying to yourself, I don't think I've seen that before, well, you probably haven't. So ESPN here, there's kind of like an internal uh, stats newswire where I can like log on. Yeah, we keep them downstairs. They're, they're <laughs> nerds. They haven't seen daylight in years. But like I can log on and there's, you know, you can click on a game that you're interested in. And there's kind of like somebody in Bristol who's essentially, I guess, assigned to that. And they're yeah. kind of like, and so you can ask them questions and see if, you know, they can get something for you. It's really great. It's a great service that ESPN offers. And for employees here and shows and and so somebody asked the natural question of like has this happened before and you know they were really going through it and they said some of these records are not great in being kept but the only thing they could find right was uh stan van denbois stan van denbois <laughs> who scored three own goals in a belgian league match in 1995 Stan is feeling a bit better now about <laughs> You don't see this very often. No, you don't. The Vendenbois boys house was very pleased, I guess, over the weekend that his name... Stan... Well, or, or not. Now his name has been dragged back up into this, so I don't know. Well, it's not going to become a thing. Oh, she just did a Vendenbois. <laughs> Am I right? By the way, uh, I, I have to applaud uh, Kiva O'Neill, who is the Athletics Liverpool correspondent, Um she tried to suggest that uh, Michaela Moore will not just be remembered for this. Oh. So she said, just spotted one idiotic comment which suggested Michaela Moore will only be remembered for what happened against the US last night. And she, she uh, you know, she named some really great things. She said she battled back from tough injuries, including snapping her Achilles in 2019 and as part of the Liverpool team who could win promotion back to the WSL in a matter of weeks. To those who know her, Michaela Moore is already known for so much more than scoring her three own goals, and she's a great advocate in the LGBTQ plus community. That's all great. Right now, she is trending around the world for scoring three own goals. It's really unfortunate. Does it mean that her career will have meant nothing? No, it won't. But this is the reference point. That is what something like this this does. It's unfortunate yeah, but sports are cruel. Sometimes. Really, are cruel. I mean, know? I'm glad that there are voices out there to provide an alternative perspective and let people know that this isn't just, you know, there's more to her career than that. Right. But there was more to Bill Buckner's career too. Buckner, it's just the way sports are. Buckner had some unbelievable he was a legitimately stats. Good player. Great stats. Stats that would any player that would have played as long as him would have been super proud of. But who remembers them? They talk about him watching the ball go through his legs. Yeah. 
in Queens. Uh, a couple other notes. Props to Becky Sauerbrunn. Earned her 201st cap, tying Kate Margraff for the 11th most in U.S. history. Uh, with her next cap, she'll tie Hope Solo for 10th most. It's phenomenal. I mean, There's a total rock mainstay for this generation yeah. of women's soccer. Legend. Great player. Um, and uh, also props to Ashley Hatch, who came on, scored header for the U.S. Lovely header. Uh, she's only she's the only U.S. women's national team player in the last 25 years to score a goal within six minutes of taking the field in three straight appearances. This is the definition of instant offense. And not all those have been subs. There was one, uh, one of those appearances she started and scored in the fourth minute. But a nice you know name that is now emerging like that's part of what this tournament was for there was you know some new names on there and she's not that new i mean she she was an mvp finalist in the nwsl for washington but now she's really starting to play her way into the the women's national team picture as well so props to her yeah another they, name to keep an eye on they talked on the broadcast about how in the next round of games the veterans will be reintroduced to the mix and i'm like it's the competition for places is yeah really quite something yeah well, there you go, my friend. Is there more? Do you have a mailbag? I wasn't sent anything, no, so I listen, got the sense that it, it was a, an off, so a week off for you. A, ho- a holiday weekend, and I, in fairness, i got to give props to my girlfriend because I said, look, we got to get out and get on the road because I want to be in studio for this one, and I do not want to deal with traffic. So props to her for getting me here. Mailbag just had to go by the wayside this week. All right. Um, hope you can for- forgive that. I, I can. Yeah. You're, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. No, you just started the show in an unforgiving mode. Not unforgiving. Perfect texts. Just wanted to explain. That was all. Just wanted just wanted to explain how I saw it and why things need to change moving forward or else there could be repercussions. Yes. Right. So so I guess I when 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 there's a big Tottenham game. Just don't say anything. Can you give me a list of teams that it's okay to just text how you about? How about never? Just never. I'll if something happens, I'll text you. Right. I have to DVR a ton of their games because I've got kids in swim lessons in yeah. mornings on weekends. Like there's just a lot going on, and pr- other sports and things start up. It's just easier for me to DVR. Little, or- little do your family know you'd sell every one of them for Tottenham Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, it is like a a, a hidden stressor that I can't really verbalize. Like no one in my house cares. Mm. Like. If I'm on edge because I know they're playing and I can't look at my phone, no one wants, no one cares about that. But like internally, it's it is stressful trying to avoid these things. It'd be just your luck that either Luke or Jack is going to grow up and they are going to be a massive soccer fan, but of a very specific league and one you have no interest in, like the Juleper League or the Eredivisie, <laughs> and, and only that, and only that, and that's all you'll end up watching. Well, it'll broaden my horizons. Maybe it'll be an international. Who who knows? Uh, hey, this was this was a joy. I I really enjoyed this podcast. This was a lot of fun. Hope all of you did out there as well. We might be we might have a midweek uh, a bonus podcast this week. We might. There's League of Champions on. So we'll see. That's not set in stone yet. Just keep refreshing your feeds, and uh, and maybe we'll have something for you, bonus pod later in the week. But uh, this was great. I enjoyed this very much, my friend. To you, I say. Take it later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care, brother. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 